This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange podcast. My name is Todd Willits. I'm joined by EPFR's in-house economist, Cameron Brandt, and we're going to walk you through what our teams were monitoring last week in the various data sets EPFR tracks, as well as what we'll be looking out for in the weeks ahead. Cam, good morning. We finally got some rain last night. We did, and it looks like we both managed to avoid getting hit by lightning, so all good. It's encouraging, certainly, but lightning did strike the inflation-protected bond funds we tracked last week. Given the latest read for U.S. inflation and all the punditry I'm reading about deflation, what do you think's going on? Well, yes, record-setting inflows, and yes, a little bit strange given sort of what you see outside the window in the very... Um, in the sort of uh, high street shops and the flood of online offers. Um, but, you know, the, the fact does remain that uh, if you believe classical economic theory still has some credence, um, I, there's been a particularly potent mixture of the factors that uh, are classically presumed to create uh, inflation. Um, and even though I think in the short run, you, you could well see minimal inflation or even deflation uh, as companies rush back to try and hold on to the market share um, that uh, went AWOL during the height of the uh, pa- pandemic lockdowns. Uh, there's certainly a lot of fuel for inflationary fires out there, um, massive monetary stimulus, um, and uh, sort of the broad protectionist wave, which means that uh, China is much less likely to serve as a sort of great deflationary force, uh, exporting uh, very cheap staples to the rest of the world. Um, So there's reason for caution, and if you do feel that there is reason for caution. It makes sense to load up on some of the classic hedges now while they're not that expensive, uh, certainly relative to where they might be if inflation does begin to take off. So in addition to the inflation-protected bond funds seeing record-setting inflows, uh, we saw another $2 billion go into gold funds as well. But it's not as though uh, inflation hasn't been banished. I mean, Argentinians are living with what upwards of 40% inflation. Venezuela, I think their rate is obviously different, but over 500%. No, it's true. Uh, we, we've uh, we've become somewhat sort of numb to the possibility uh, here in the developed world when there's some pretty alarming examples uh, right outside our window. And you're sort of carrying on with that thought. Uh, you know, it's the kind of structural issues and policy missteps uh, that created these inflationary scenarios in both Argentina and Venezuela and other countries like. Zimbabwe, um, I think, are a major reason that the investors are so cautious about emerging markets as an asset class. 
Um, it's not hard to see a number of other uh, emerging markets with strong personalities leading the show, Erdogan in Turkey, Modi in India, uh, making the kind of policy choices uh, that could put their economies on uh, the path to uh, much higher inflation. So looking at the EM funds as a asset class, are we at what, 19 straight weeks of outflows at this point? Yes, we are, um, which is closing in, as we mentioned last week, on the, on the record outflow streak, 22 straight weeks, that uh, those funds compiled at the height of the uh, taper tantrum uh, in 2013-2014. Uh, I will say that uh, this year, uh, sorry, this past week, um, had uh, the the uh, redemptions from China equity funds been factored out, um, the inflow streak might well have come to an end. Uh, investors continue to be extremely reluctant to buy into China's recovery story. Uh, I think uh, for political reasons as much as anything, uh, China is being much more aggressive in a geopolitical sense uh, and its uh, relations with the U.S. and all the trade implications that has uh, is on the downswing again. So what are flows saying about investors' attitudes towards China's harshest critic? Well, certainly the demand for exposure to U.S. debt remains robust. Uh, we've been seeing uh, over $10 billion, uh, a week flow into uh, U.S. bond funds for some time now. Um, but flows for U.S. equity funds have been sort of bumping along at low levels, you know, modest inflows one week, modest outflows the next. Uh, recent research by one of the team's analysts, Winston Chua, highlights one of the factors, which is that we've seen a dramatic drop-off in the corporate share buybacks that were certainly supporting the market last year. Uh, quarter to date, they're running at around $65 billion versus $313 billion during the comparable period in 2019. And uh, you know, I'd be remiss not to mention that the resurgence of the COVID pandemic uh, especially in the southern states that were the most aggressive at exiting the lockdowns, uh, has rattled investors who were looking to uh, increase their exposure to the U.S. And uh, even though it's been much overshadowed by all that has happened in the first half of the year, uh, this is a, a, a major election year for the U.S., um, and it's certainly, I think, beginning to dawn on a lot of people that uh, you know, Donald Trump could very easily uh, not get a second term uh, and he might take the U.S. Senate uh, with him uh, in terms of loss of Republican control. Um, so that at least some investors are starting to think ahead uh, to a U.S. government where all, all, all the major branches uh, by the Supreme Court are, are clearly in Democratic hands. So we've talked about this a bit in the past, but do you see that playing out in any one particular sector that we track? 
Yeah, we, we've had our first first echoes. Um, I, I noticed in the past couple of weeks that uh, flows to both energy and healthcare sector funds, uh, which held up very strongly through the um, uh, worst of the the sort of COVID nineteen panic, have started to grind lower. Um, and uh, I think that has to do with, uh, at least in part, a, a sense that um, you know the regulatory climate for both of those industries will be much tougher if we uh, end up with both houses of Congress controlled by the Democrats and Joe Biden in the White House. So looking forward to this final week of the second quarter, what are you and the team going to be focusing on? Maybe two areas that you're going to be looking to this week. Yeah, no, when you ask me this question, I usually sort of give you a pretty broad answer. Uh, But I think this week we're actually going to be sort of looking slightly tighter focus at two areas. Uh, One of them is at the country level, Korea. Um, uh, Korea equity funds just ended uh, a long outflow streak. Um, And uh, Korea is an interesting case study because it's uh, a lot of the uh, issues that are spooking uh, investors with regards to emerging markets uh, play out to some degree in Korea. It has uh, very high levels of household debt. It is very exposed to global trade. Uh, It's uh, too close to China, perhaps for comfort when China's in the kind of assertive mood it currently is. Um, And it's uh, large segments of its telecommunications industry are are key players in the other thing that we'll be looking at a fair bit this week, which is uh, the the 5G fifth generation telecom rollout. Um, One of those things that is talked about, talked about, and then all of a sudden it's here. If the promises are met, then there's going to be a quantum leap in again in connectivity and what people can do on their cell phones, uh, which may sort of change the the balance for some sectors, especially technology and telecommunications. So, Kim, in particular, what sort of impact might you expect to see in the data that we track in regards to 5G? Well, we've already been seeing it, which is definitely much more interest in telecom sector funds. Um, the, the, uh, the problem with all of these generations is that they come with a great deal of optimism and hope. Uh, and like any major technological advance, there's usually some teething pains. So my guess is that uh, while so far it's been quite a good year for telecom sector funds. Uh, it will probably get much bumpier through the summer into the fall uh, as these new systems are rolled out and some of them do not uh, initially perform as advertised. Great. Thanks, Kim. You're welcome. Cheers.